Hi, everyone. I wanted to remind you of a must read. This is a book that you have to have on your bookshelf. It is called The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. He is able to help you make important decisions, give you some guidance on which path to take, and you get to learn how he tapped into the wisdom and power of the unseen worlds for guidance and inspiration. I had the opportunity to interview him, and he was a lovely guest on the Path 11 podcast, episode 343. Check it out. Listen to the podcast. Go buy the book. Again, it's The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. To find out more information, go to his website, carlgreer.com. That's spelled C-A-R-L-G-R-E-E-R.com. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by the Reconnective Healing Global Community. I don't know if you guys remember, but back in 2020, we released an episode with Dr. Eric Pearl and Jillian Fleer about reconnective healing. He was a chiropractor who was working in his practice in Los Angeles, and his patients started to report that they were having these healings just with his hands being near them without him actually touching them. So he went on to research and try to find out what this universal wisdom was behind what was happening. And he developed the reconnective healing process. Their website is thereconnection.com and they are offering an online level one class called the portal to awaken your own healing ability and to learn how to do this. There's over eight hours of interactive content where you will learn to interact with energy, light, and information to experience lasting knowingness, peace, and love without limitations. They gave us a coupon code to give to all of our listeners. It is PATH2PORTAL. We're going to put that in the show notes. And that's 25% off of the Portal Online Level 1 course. I hope you guys enjoy. Let me know if you take it. Send me an email. Would love to know how the course works for you. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. We have a very interesting show for you. We are going to be talking about mediumship and also animal communication. My guest today is Susan Allen Medium. She is an internationally renowned psychic medium and animal intuitive. Connecting with spirit, Susan consistently delivers messages with gentleness, compassion, warmth, and wit providing healing, peace, and closure to her clients. Having spent decades cultivating her innate spiritual gifts, Susan draws from her experience as a Reiki master, Hoponopono practitioner, author, and life coach. Susan works with individuals in groups from celebrities to doctors, professional athletes to moms, families, and more. Susan Allen Medium, welcome to the Path Loving Podcast. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Be here. Yeah, same here. So I, I sometimes like to tell my audience how I find my guests, especially a guest like you, because sometimes, you know, we have, I have great relationship with publicists and I get a lot of people who have authored books, but every now and then I'm on our Instagram, you know, page on social media 
and I'm just scrolling and randomly kind of looking at the feeds. And then usually when I get into the space, I'm always like, spirit, is there anyone that I should bring on my show? And I like to randomly find people that way through social media. And you are one of those people. I saw your Instagram page. There was something on there about soul speaks, animal communication. And I was thinking, okay, I need this woman on the path love and podcast. I don't know why, but I'm going to invite her. And you accepted my invitation. I love that. You know, they say we find our tribe. So that's so cool. That's no mistake. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your background. I mean, how did you come into mediumship? I'm sure you probably have a similar story like many mediums, you know, where you probably had this innate intuitive ability when you were younger and maybe lost it for a little while, came back in and then it started to grow and then you probably couldn't ignore it and then had to make it your profession. (laughs) Well, it kind of happened like that. It was a lot of bumps in the road. Let me tell you. The path to mediumship for me was a lot of trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was always like a very anxious little kid. The anxiety was, and it was probably spirit coming in. You know, I was clairaudient and I I don't remember like seeing dead people. Although my brother says on many accounts, he'd walk into the room and he'd ask me who I was talking to. <laughs> and I'd say, the beautiful lady. So I don't, I don't have that memory. I don't have like a lot of memories. The only memories I really have is the feelings I had when I was around animals and the calmness that would come over me around animals and how I was kind of fearless around animals. I mean, I remember a woman that did recent, well, it wasn't that recently. It was like two years ago. I really wanted to talk to a woman that was instrumental in helping the poaching crisis in Africa, because when I came into my animal work, the poaching crisis was at its peak and I was trying to help and interview people. And she was worried I'd walk up to an elephant in the wild and I'm like, I'm not crazy. You know, I mean, there was always this innate ability when I'd walk into the woods or animals would come to me. And it's very, it was kind of like, I always felt like I was in a Disney movie when I was around animals. And it was just that way when I was little. When there was crises in my house, my dad would always take me to where animals were, you know, or he would get me a dog or, you know, those kind I had that kind of parent. So at least somebody kind of understood me. Yeah. So how did you begin to know that you needed to do mediumship readings for the public and people? And, you know, when did that kind of begin for you? That's a wonderful question. I had no idea I would be doing interviews and being in the public eye. What happened was, is I was doing animal readings for many, many years under a different name because I was scared to leave the day job. And, and then one day a dead person started to appear in a photo of my dad and I, and it happened to be my client's father. And it was with such gentleness and ease. And I wasn't scared because I, I, I would think, oh my God, if there were dead people in my house, I would just lose it. You know, it was a very calming feeling. I think that they knew the dead people was, that was how they would need to communicate with me if they wanted me to be a conduit to help. And that's kind of how it happens. And a friend of mine said, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll get you on my show. And that's kind of how this whole, you know, me getting on, you know, Zooms and people finding me and calling me for readings. It's kind of really how it started. And then 
the public platform stuff, when I just let go and let spirit flow through, I, there was, it was fearlessness. I, there was more fear getting on a New York City subway and going to work in the morning than, you know, doing mediumship for me. Cause it, I think I was always on the other side in some weird way. I was always reading spiritual books at age 10. I, I think the, the, the book, The World Less Traveled was one of the first books I read. Dr. Scott Pack. I just related more to the spiritual work and stories of mysticism that my Italian grandfather used to tell me with the Catholic saints. I'm a recovering Catholic, so I'm not into Catholicism, but I think the awe and the wonder of when I was a little kid really opened me up to spirit work. Yeah. Uh, I also come from an Italian family, Italian Catholic family as well, and can completely relate to that. And what was your day job? What did you do? I've had 50,000 careers. I'm not kidding. I just couldn't figure out. I I had some big career and I left it because I would be in a career for one year and get bored and leave because I really couldn't find myself where I'd, you know, it just wasn't, it was soul crushing. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely soul crushing. So I've had a lot of different careers. I mean, I, my first, I think my first career was, I mean, did makeup in New York. I did, I didn't do hair, but I did makeup for film and TV and I loved it. And I did, you know, a lot of um, special effects makeup. Cool. And I think the first director I worked with on a student film and where he became really famous out in LA but I never stayed in touch with that. I would just shift from one career to another, from one career to another. And, you know, the good thing about that with mediumship is you have this whole breadth of work yeah. that you, that spirit would use to help bring me to the people I read for. Yeah, makes sense. That, that is really interesting. And I took some classes and I remember a class I took with Mavis Patilla. She said, you know, mediums, it's good to read a lot of history. That's not my jam. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to, to have that in your Rolodex. But, and it's just like, you know, when we were speaking earlier about animals, I didn't really know anatomy of animals. So when I started out as an animal communicator, that would have helped. But I would just go to the area in the body and I would say, this is where something's happening. And then I'd be able to describe that area. It's not like, you know, that I have this huge plethora of anatomy or historical background, but I feel like the people that come to me, sometimes they draw on the many careers that I've had. Very nice. Yeah. That's what spirit uses as the, the toolkit. I'll say that's my toolkit. Yeah, absolutely. Makes, makes complete sense. Now, are you based out of New York City? No, I'm in LA now. I've been living in LA about 25 years. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because I was just going to ask, you know, we just had Ida come through and New York City kind of got squashed with all that rain and flooding and, oh my God, it was horrible. So I just, if you were still down there, I was going to say, how, how's everything? Because clearly you're able to podcast and there's no water in your house. Since I've been here, it's all the flooding happening back there and it's kind of, I um, when I lived there, it was never that bad. It was just snowstorms that were, that would get us, but not floods. It's unusual, but yeah, there's a lot of unusual things happening in world right now. Absolutely. And I'm curious, this is kind of going off a little bit of topic, but what was your draw to go to the West coast? Because 
You know, I feel like I have interviewed so many people. I think we're over like 350 now. And there are some East Coast people that say like they just needed to go to the West. And there's like different energy in both parts. And I forget, I had this one conversation with this woman and she was kind of talking about the different frequencies of the East Coast and the West Coast and why she was drawn. But I'm just curious to ask you that question too. What was the draw to go? It's actually the beginning of everything for me. When I was, I was 15. My dad was a high school teacher in Staten Island, and he had the whole summer off, and he was coming out to L.A. He had a woman that they were interested in each other, and he said, Susie, that was my name, my family called me, why don't you come with me? Well, I didn't want to leave California, and I remember I was 15. This is what really got me into metaphysics and the power of our thinking and thought. At 15, my dad took me to Marina Del Rey, California, and it was a bustling wharf, Fisherman's Wharf was bustling. And I look down, you know, cause I'm from Brooklyn. I look over the railing into the water and there are, there's tons of pelicans hanging out with seals on buoys. And I was just like, oh my God, I think I died and went to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I have it in my head that one day I would buy a house in Marines Lorry. I would have to live in Marines Lorry. And I kept that in the forefront of my mind. And it was something that I was on purpose about. I remember not wanting to come home. My mother was completely pissed off because she planned a sweet 16 party for me. And she's like, you got to come home and help me do this. And I'm like, cancel the party. I mean, what girl doesn't want a sweet 16 and a disco? Right. Disco. You know, it was the disco days. And I didn't want to go home. And it was a big problem. And when I went home, I, I really went into, I think that was like the one of the first dark nights of the soul for me. I went into a very deep depression. And I was trying to replicate the things I was doing in LA, which was, you know, I was playing tennis. I'd take my tennis racket and I'd hit tennis balls. It was very hard for me to leave LA. And I was only 15. And I knew one day I would live here. And fast forward years later, My mother passed away when I was in my 20s, and I got married six months after her departure. I had no idea. The guy was a great guy, and he's still a good friend. But it was kind of like, it was one of those things. It was like the next step for me in my life. And I got him to get us to move here. And we came out. I didn't, wasn't doing animal communication. I ended up with a career in the art world. And um, it was funny because I was always helping other people. I was always like helping others with their career. And I was representing painters. And I remember I had it in my head that I had to get a house in Marine Del Rey. And I just worked and worked and worked till I found a house in a place that only 350 houses existed. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know how I bought it. I had no money. I, but I bought a house in Marina Del Rey and it was like, I couldn't even buy a lipstick for years because I was mortgage poor, but I may, I manifested that. And I'm a really big, I mean, that's my purpose. My on purpose in life is to always turn this over to something bigger than me, something higher than me to help people understand the power of our thoughts lead to what shows up. That's kind of what is a real passion for me, besides the medium show. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that story. And when you think about it, like even statistically, right? Like one in 350 houses yeah. became yours. Yeah. And Everything you know, else was condos. Wow. And you're in that house today. Same house? No, I live in a different house, but okay. Yes. <laughs> Still amongst 350. <laughs> no, I live on a horse property with no horses, but I'm surrounded by my neighbor's horses. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and I can see them and we can hunt horses here. We just haven't geared up to that yet. I'm so busy. I, Unless I have somebody else, like I was thinking of running a rescue ranch here and having other people's animals here. It's the big picture. You know, that is mm. you know, the totally big end game that I, I want to make happen. Yeah. Horses are really um, phenomenal. I haven't worked a lot with them, but in the psychotherapy fields, you know, equine therapy and, you know, there's a lot of programs out there to help veterans that are struggling with PTSD. And I know a lot of people when I was living in Saratoga Springs, New York, you know, huge racehorse community, you know, you have people that are picketing it and other people that are just like horses everywhere in Saratoga, you know, I had an aunt and an uncle that lived in Saratoga. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they're beautiful. They're huge. You know, I was near one for the first time, like a couple months ago, and I, it was the closest I had ever been to a horse and, uh, you know, just hearing stories about them and their personalities and their intelligence. It's really kind of fascinating. I'd like to have more of a relationship with horses. I, you should come out here and I'll take you where horses are because I have, that's kind of how the work started for me. I was working on a horse and when I say working, I couldn't ride anymore. I needed a surgery. And I started to brush him and groom him every week because I couldn't ride. And this went on for a year. And he started communicating with me. And I thought I was cuckoo, cuckoo. And I was like, if there's cameras at this ranch, they are not going to let me back because I'd be crying. And, and he was teaching me healing. So that was before I became a Reiki master. I was using my hands and thought to help this horse with his legs. And I would go up every week, every week and work on him. And he would tell me things that only the trainer knew. And when I would tell them this, they would say, yes, that's true. That's true. It's really interesting. That's kind of how it started before I even took a class in animal communication. That was, you know, something that was self-taught, you know, with the spirit, my spirit guides, I guess. And and how I was going to be used here to help animals, because that's kind of how my whole business started. And I started to journal everything he would say to me. And the woman that was leasing him, I met her in the parking lot, and I said, you know, I'd like to read this to you. And I, I read it to her, and she took $150 cash out of her pocket, and she shoved it in my hands, and I was like, wow, okay. And she was, you know, very moved by what he told me. So that was, that was kind of like how this started. Not that I was motivated by the money because I never thought I'd be doing this. I was more motivated by, wow, like this is really happening. And believe me, I was, I'm, I was, I was so in disbelief for so long. Mm-hmm. Because I would, my process was, I wanted to give really good readings. So I would meditate for 20 minutes and then I would journal for 30 minutes and I'd be on the trolley with the person for another hour. 
Wow. So it was a very long process and I still would get very nervous. And, but I, I knew that I wasn't doing it because I needed money because I had a career. Mm -hmm. I was doing it because I absolutely loved it. Mm. I didn't love my career, by the way, but it was, you know, it was something I was good at and I was selling real estate here. So I, I didn't love it, but I was good at it. Yeah. Wow. wow. And what was, the, what was that horse's name, by the way? Leo. Uh, Leo. Oh, that's my cat's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cat's name is Leo now. <laughs> uh, see, there you go. Hi, everybody. I wanted to just take a quick moment to tell you about a beautiful divination deck of cards that you can get your hands on. My friend, Molly Mandelberg, spent two years traveling the world while writing and illustrating the Wild Hearts Rise Up Oracle deck. This inspired pep talk deck has some serious magic inside. Pulling a card a day from this deck will encourage you to bring your dreams to life, to allow that idea tapping you on the shoulder, to finally manifest into physical reality. It's sassy, insightful, and potent. The link to check it out is in the show notes of this episode. Just click on there. It's going to bring you right to the Oracle deck. And again, it's Wild Hearts Rise Up Oracle deck. So can you talk a little bit more too? Let's, let's kind of go into the foundation of mediumship. And kind of where you come from, how you see mediumship and the trust aspect of it. And then maybe we'll kind of move the conversation into how one can communicate with animals. And if you notice that there's a difference between animal communication and human communication in spirit form. So, you know, how, how do we really trust that a medium is really getting what it is that they're getting? Because in this day and age, you can like, and believe me, I, I've heard people say this before and I'm like, if you only knew like how busy people are in this field, like we don't have time to Google your name and look for information about you on Facebook or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. But sometimes I think there's a curiosity with mediumship, but also a mistrust and a little bit of skepticism for some people going into it, especially if it's their first time. Yeah. I would definitely say get a referral for a medium from somebody who's had an experience, but not all experiences are the same. I had a mediumship reading and it was, I felt like I, I was like exhausted after the reading. So, but my friend had a reading with her and she was amazing from my friend. So every experience is different. Usually with mediumship, I consider it an art form. I don't consider it a perfect science. Mm -hmm. And the way that I read is both evidential, but also very healing. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing is, is how do you trust what you get? As a medium, I would say that I just go into a space and a zone that feels different physically to my body. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever remember my readings. As far as looking people up, I think I'm the biggest, I'm so hard on myself and I'm such a skeptic. I, 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 I've never looked anybody up. I've looked people up after a reading, to be honest with you, because I had a reading with a woman and she found me on Instagram because I asked her, how'd you find me? Because I was so blown away. But I had a reading with a woman and she was, a man came through for her and he was um, in her band 
And he said that they traveled on a bus to work, that they worked together, but I wasn't connecting dots. I just was giving what I got. And she said, yes, we traveled to work on a bus. I thought that, you know, they didn't have cars and they were going to the, you know, going to a facility together. And uh, he was giving me a lot of messages and he was coming through like in real time with real talk. And she said, you sound like him. And that's exactly what he would say. And then she said, he said to me, she's going to do films and, and she's going to be very famous. And she said to me, I'm already famous. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I looked her up and she was like a five-time Grammy award winning um, songwriter. And she called me again a second time. So it's kind of like that, you know, where I just go into another zone. I, 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 I would, for me, if I looked somebody up on the internet, I would feel terrible about myself. And it's for me to turn to this business, you know, at, you know, later in life and use this as my profession. I, I feel as if like, why do that? Like I, there's so many other things I could do to make a living. Yeah. For me, it's all about the authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think this field of work has a lot of really talented, authentic people who are really have ethics and morals, you know, with the work and really see it as, you know, like sacred. And then unfortunately there are some people out there. I recently ran into one and, and it was like, wow, I can't believe this person is actually charging money and saying that they're doing what they're doing. You know, it was, and it kind of shocked me a little bit. And maybe that's because I, you know, work with so many authentic people here on the podcast and really see, you know, the work that they do, or I've had an opportunity to take a class with them and like, they're the real deal, you know, and then to run into someone that it felt like that they were kind of scamming and had an opportunity to see their skills or their gifts. And I was like, oh my God, no way. I can't believe this. So, so I think it's important. And unfortunately, sometimes people in your field have to work even harder at credibility sometimes, you know, because of that, because there are people in those, in the field that are just really charging exorbitant amounts of money and not really doing evidential mediumship. And it's like, oh, they just wanted you to know, your dad wants to know, you know, that they love you very much and they miss you and they're sorry for whatever. It's like anybody can do a mediumship reading like that, you know, but. And those um, are the ones that unfortunately give us a a bad name, but I, you know, I don't like to talk about people in my field. I really don't because it's, for me, it's gossiping and it brings down my, my vibration. Yeah. But I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's, it's a very, very difficult thing. That's why I say get a referral. Yeah. Word of mouth, you know, have somebody that experienced business. Word of mouth is most of my business. Yeah. And how do you, how are you able to differentiate the difference between your own voice and the voice of spirit coming through? What does that feel like for you? Well, my own voice is more the psychic voice. I think that if I go into psychic and remake a prediction, the spirit voice, I, it, I, I wonder, that's a good, good question. I just think I, I feels different and the communication is different when it's spirit. I really do work to keep my reading spirit, you know, the channeling. The thing that takes me out of the channeling and makes it more difficult is when people are asking a lot of, ask, ask a lot of questions. There's always time for questions. 
after an evidential mediumship reading, but it, you know, you get one or two people. Seriously, it's only the one or two. Is he going to call me? Is he going to, you know, that kind of thing. And then it makes me feel like I'm, I'm not a gypsy. <laughs> I'm not a fortune teller. Right. Let's go with what spirit, but people need that immediate good feeling. I try to bring that. That's a healing part of what I do. I try to help people with the grounding and the feeling better about themselves. Not that I'm telling somebody, you're so wonderful. It's coming from spirit. Mm -hmm. I get evidential messages for the person from their departed loved ones or their spirit guides. And people say, well, who are you talking to? I kind of think it's a collective unconscious of love because I think only love can heal. Not me. It's love. Mm -hmm. Love is the healer. It's not me. It's love. And it's love from spirit and it's love from their guides that come in. You know, I had a reading yesterday and her, the woman's mother was right there. And I said, your mother's telling me your, your voice needs to be heard. You can't constantly close down. And it, it, it was, she was dating somebody and he had become a born again Christian while they were dating and was telling her, that she isn't Christian. She's not a Christian woman. It's like all this heavy duty dogma that this woman was going through and she was in love with the guy. Mm. So, you know, that, that kind of was a fight with her within herself. It was really hard on her, but her mother came through and said, you have a voice that needs to be heard. You know, she was kind of squashing who she wanted to become, you know, who this man wanted her to be. So the messages are very healing and they, they have nothing to do with me. Right. <laughs> I'm getting this from their people. And I mm -hmm. say to them, your, your friends and family and loved ones will come in to help you. I push myself out of the way mm -hmm. to help me get the message to you. Because I'm just meeting these people on Zoom for the first time. I don't, how would I know? I don't even, I don't even need to see them. Because I did readings by phone. I didn't ever use it. You know? I mean, I did animal readings by phone for 11 years. So it's, right. it's wonderful to see a beautiful face and to see mm -hmm. somebody moved by something I say. That's, that's like the most beautiful thing. And why I put myself in this vulnerable state to do this work is to be able to help people. Yeah. Beautiful. Now... Is it different when you're communicating with animals than when you're communicating with humans? So can you talk a little bit about the animal communication? I don't think it's different. I talk to an animal the same way I would talk to a person. Okay. Um, the animals, you know, have, you know, everybody has a different opinion on their work or what they do. But I feel like an animal soul is the same personality as a person. They're intelligent. They've probably incarnated in a human at least once. That's kind of like a very controversial, but I've been told that by some animals. And it's kind of, it feels like the same spirit to me. However, you know, animals like babies are, they're a little bit lighter. They're mm -hmm. not, their soul is a little bit lighter. Yeah. Not as heavy as, you know, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't really say that. Like when I talk to spirits that have crossed over, their souls are light. So it's sometimes easier to talk to an animal. 
it's sometimes easier. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it's harder to talk to a dead person, <laughs> but it sometimes could be easier. Yeah. And do you also work with animals who are alive? Like, you know, when you were working with Leo, the horse, and he was giving you information, you were healing him. Do you do work on animals that maybe are having some sort of sickness or, you know, a client is calling because they're really worried about their animal and would like information on how to best help? Yes. And I have worked on sick animals. I have healed some animals. It's kind of like I could... You know, I do, as, I go as far as what spirit will provide for me. Mm -hmm. It's really up to spirit and how they work through me to help the animal. But I've gotten, you know, the frantic calls, my dog's sick, what do you think? I've gotten the end of life calls, you know, I do a lot of end of life, like towards the end of their lives. And people do need support during that time. So people do call me a couple of times before they decide to euthanize. I've worked directly with veterinarians that can't figure it out. I had a woman years ago come to me and said, my vet, she's in Silver Lake. I said, what's her name? I didn't even know the vet. She goes, she said that you're amazing. I know I never even talked to her, but I guess the woman on some level might've believed what I was saying was true because she sent another patient or, you know, client to me. And that was kind of, when I took my only one and only animal communication class, there was a vet veterinarian in the class and she called me for a reading. And that was kind of the start of my business. I started my business with testimonials. Oh, wow. She's still a dear friend. That's awesome. And is there a theme with animals that you tend to get maybe at end of life or maybe even when they are living, but is there kind of like a consistent message in the animal world that they're trying to relay to their human parents. Yeah, they're better with death than we are. <laughs> okay. They're a lot better at death. Like I think we suffer and we think we shouldn't euthanize them or we think, you know, we should do chemotherapy and surgeries. And, you know, no animal over, you know, six years old really wants to go through that. So I think we keep our animals here longer than we need to, because on some level, we, they're our children, you know, they're yeah. our children. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's see what else here with animal communication that I wanted to ask you when they are communicating in spirit, do you also find a theme of the memories that they would like their owners to, you know, know, or like, you know, what are some of the messages that animals tend to bring back to their own owners after they've transitioned? Well, it's, that's a twofold question. Like I always say to people, when your animal first crosses, there's so much grief. Like, I mean, I even have my own grief here. I'm doing this work and my dog Rosie was the one who really brought this into my life because it was my want of wanting to be more communicative with her, not even realizing I was already doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, that really brought, I, I say that she reminded me who I really was. That's, that's kind of what animals do and heal, healing animals do or soul pets do that come in for a very specific time and, and then leave. But mostly 
what they want us to feel and do is joy and remember how what they you did with them the funny funny memories just like dead people they want you to remember the fun times you know at christmas this um woman came to me and her mother came in and the mother showed me a fruitcake you know those disgusting nail order fruitcake oh yeah <laughs> and then my mother and grandmother would live for their fruitcake it was like oh anyway no offense to people that love those fruitcakes <laughs> But she came in and showed me a fruitcake. And I said, why would your mother be showing me a fruitcake? Okay. And the woman started cracking up. And she said, we just found my mother's fruitcake in the downstairs freezer. As an Italian woman, you know the downstairs freezer. Yes. With another refrigerator and freezer in the basement. And it had to be 30 years old. And she was cracking up because she said it still tasted good. And we were laughing about it. We took a bite of mom's fruitcake that was like 30 years old. And I, I talked about that in my newsletter and my client emailed me and she said, I can't believe they tasted it after, <laughs> I can't believe. So that's like, you know, that's kind of a funny, a funny memory. And that is how spirit wants us to remember them because they're released. Mm -hmm. animals and people there and they're doing everything they want to do they're going to italy they're they're traveling they're they're playing games they're painting they're doing everything that they really wanted to do or couldn't do here or continue to do over there what they started here interesting yeah and you know when you said earlier that some animals have incarnated into humans or have had human lives I don't see that too far-fetched because I have heard humans say, I know I was a dog in a past life, or I know I was a cat, or I know I was this type of animal. So it, it makes sense, you know? I mean, we're consciousness. So if we want to choose an animal body or we want to choose a human body, I'm sure we're allowed to do that. You know, I'm going to go back to something you said before. I really have a hard time when people would you know, say to me, I went to this person and she said, I was this and I was that. And I did this in a past life and, a, and I'm like, is any of this relatable? Like, did you do your own past life regret? Like I have, I'm very skeptical myself mm -hmm. and it's, it's very hard for me to believe all that stuff myself. So, you know, I, I, I'm in, I like a little bit of evidence mixed with a little bit of woo-woo. That's kind of like how I want to be read. Right. Now I have more ability to open up to you know, a healer or somebody when they would read me if they brought in some, wow, how would they know that kind of thing? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That, yeah. that I, is my preference when I go see a medium, mm -hmm. a psychic. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, same here. And I've, I've only had uh, maybe a handful of readings in my lifetime, maybe a total of, of 10, you know, of maybe 10 different mediums that you know, since I've been a teenager up until about now. And, uh, and yeah, there's a, like a clear difference with evidential mediums that I've experienced and the way that I feel after a session like that. And very lifted. yes. And I also had a mediumship reading with one, well, I witnessed one at a gallery reading of this woman. It sounds like a little bit of what you had done with the feedback that your client had given you that really took on the personality of the deceased loved one. And it was really fascinating to watch because she read about seven different people in the audience. And it was like, 
it was like she was shape-shifting, like she was really becoming these people and this, and it was like phenomenal. And I've had one session like that with a really talented medium. And it really felt like I was in communication with my deceased loved one. It was the language that she was using. Yeah. The personality that was coming through. It wasn't just like you, Susan Ellen medium, giving me this information. It was like this person's personality started to come through the person. I was like, Whoa, this is like, unlike anything I've ever experience before. It was really cool. I remember I read for a girlfriend and I, I was saying this fireman's coming in and she's like, yeah. And I said, he passed a Christmas. She said, yeah, I didn't know any of this. That's how private she was. And it was a guy that she knew for like 30 years and she was still in contact with him. And he had passed. He was a, a first responder in 9-11. And he told me that he was a hero and he absolutely was. He picked a comic book by her on utility belt, tiny little female officer, and he pulled her under a car when the debris started falling. So I love that because she had never told me about the firemen. I love that. It also, you know, they say it also depends on the sitter. I have experienced some people that, you know, come in and they're very closed down and, and, and sometimes it's harder. I, I become very exhausted after the reading mm-hmm. because I have to work so much harder and I keep going up and up and up, you know? Yeah. It, um, it definitely should be an experience. I know my own experience with mediumship, I saw the same medium 55 times over 10 years because I felt like I was in heaven after. I would listen to my tape and I wasn't even aware that I was basically getting my PhD in mediumship. I was really, I I read very similarly to him. He's, he's funnier than me, but I read very similarly. And it's, it was very interesting because nobody made fun of me. I was in full-blown real estate and I would use him as my, I would say my business consultant. Mm -hmm. And my, one of my very last readings was him. And then I ended up becoming a medium. He gave me some advice in real estate. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. And he said, no, you should try. Your dad's saying he's going to help you. And I did it. And I think I made enough money, way more than to pay for all his silly sessions with me. So it's like, not that they were silly, but that I, was, I would think like, why am I going to a medium three or four times a year? Like I couldn't, he never brought my mother in once, Mm -hmm. but yet the information he brought in was so healing and important. Right. And that's really, and then I found out my mother probably didn't like him. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized that, you know, there's always a reason why we do these sessions. You know, we may not consciously know the reason, like you didn't know why you called me or how you found me on Instagram. But there's, there's always a reason and that's kind of a process I always trust. I trust that process. But there, there's something that I need here or I need to hear this. There's always one nugget of something that you give out. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was my, my Italian grandmother, Grandma Adeline, who was a Leo, by the way. August 19th was her birthday. 
that she probably was like, get this Italian New York City woman on here. Because my grandmother lived in the city too. She lived in, uh, you know, I think Manhattan. She was, I think that, yeah, they, they lived in Manhattan. She would tell all these stories, you know, like it just sounded like such a beautiful community back in that day, you know, living in the city and everybody's doors would be open in the apartment buildings, cooking, this, that, and the other thing. So if there's anyone as one of my spirit guides kind of tapping on my shoulder, I think it would probably be her that kind of bridged the connection a little bit between us. Lovely. Yeah. Well, how do people find out where you are, how they can get a hold of you and how they can have a session with you? My website, SusanAllenMedium.com and sign up for my newsletter because we do giveaways and I occasionally do sales, but we have events, a lot of events coming up. Great. And are you doing like Zoom gallery readings or... Yeah. Okay. All right. Wonderful. Okay. So check it out. We will have her website in the show notes and uh, let her know that you heard this interview from PAP 11. So she knows that you're an awesome PAP 11 listener from the PAP 11 podcast. So Susan Allen Medium, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. And I'm glad we got a chance to fit in some conversation about the animal communication because I find that fascinating as an animal lover myself. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you everyone again for tuning in, for listening. Remember, you can always rate our podcast. If you'd like to watch this, you can head on over to pap11tv.com where we have the video recordings of the podcast for free. You can also subscribe for our free trial to get some of the other videos that are there with our subscription site. But I hope you all just have a lovely day. Give your animals an extra big hug and kiss. Play with them. Have fun with them this week after you listen to this podcast. So take care, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the PAP 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial and start streaming over 100 hours of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Pep 11 TV today. Bye for now.